Good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Knute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll chat with Ducks Unlimited about a recent conservation grant. Also, CCA President Bob Lowe will stop by the program. We'll hear from the President of the Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame. And up first in today's country comment, I'll chat with the Manager of Market Development at Soy Canada. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Soy Canada recently hosted a pair of virtual seminars focused towards Japanese and Southeast Asian food companies. Nicole McKellar is Manager of Market Development. On February 28th and March 3rd, we held two virtual seminars for uh, customers in Japan and Southeast Asia. And really the objectives for the seminars were to provide an opportunity for our members and the Canadian soybean value chain to uh, be able to connect with customers in international markets and also to provide an opportunity to bring visibility to the Canadian soybean uh, industry. Exports are a really important part of Canadian, the Canadian soybean industry. We export approximately 70% of our production that goes to over 40 different countries uh, each year. And so uh, it's a really great opportunity for us to be able to connect with our international customers and share with them information that is uh, happening within the industry. Talk a little bit more about that Asian um, um, area and, and just the importance of that market. Yeah, so our our seminar for Southeast Asia, we uh, targeted a number of different countries, including China, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Taiwan, Thailand, and Vietnam. And this has really become an important market for Canadian uh, food-grade soybeans. So those are soybeans that uh, typically would go into uh, uh, soy food products such as tofu or uh, miso or soy milk. And it's really been an emerging, um, uh, kind of emerging market opportunities uh, for us there. We've seen our exports uh, grow quite substantially into those markets over the last uh, a couple of years, especially into China uh, over these uh, uh, past uh, two, uh, two years. So they represent uh, really important uh, markets for us, and it was a great opportunity to connect with them and share uh, more information with them about the Canadian uh, soybean industry. So our seminars uh, allowed us the opportunity to provide a broad range of uh, information. So uh, we uh, highlighted um, uh, some of the Canadian research uh, that incurs in regards uh, to uh, soybeans. Uh, we had a uh, producer that was uh, providing perspectives from the farm and really the commitments that Canadian soybean producers make to uh, producing high-quality uh, products. We um, had the Canadian Grain Commission that touched on Canada's uh, traceability program, the Canadian Identity Preserved uh, Recognition uh, System, as well as um, a a Canadian soybean exporter representative who provided some insights into the 2021 growing season, as well as provided projections for uh, 2022 uh, Canadian soybean uh, production, which we know is of great, uh, great interest to international customers. And in addition to having um, uh, kind of leaders from the Canadian soybean uh, value chain as part of the seminar, we also had two keynote speakers, um, Bailey Elsinger from Stonex Financial and uh, Stephen Paul from Raymont Logistics, who touched on um, kind of a market overview as well as a a supply chain uh, logistics overview which we know is, is uh, very much a topic of interest for international customers uh, just due to all of the challenges there have been with supply chains over the past 18 to 24 months. With the drought last year, can you talk a little bit about, um, I guess, how that impacted the crop, maybe how that was portrayed to, to some of these customers here? 
Yes, you know, unfortunately, Western Canada, as you mentioned, was was hit uh, with a with a pretty hard a drought uh, last year. Uh, that did impact overall soybean uh, production in in our uh, western uh, provinces. Uh, you know, really, unfortunately, with with seeing uh, uh, significantly lower yields uh, than we would see uh, in years with uh, adequate adequate uh, moisture. And so, um, this information was uh, was shared uh, with the participants as part of our 2021 uh, growing uh, season uh, overview. What was what was really great was the opportunity to share with them uh, that it, it looks very optimistic that we will see some increases in soybean production in, in Western Canada for 2022. We know uh, particularly in Manitoba um, uh, there was uh, more snowpack uh, over the over the winter that uh, is helping to provide uh, some some more moisture in some of those key growing uh, growing regions for soybeans. So uh, we're very much uh, you know uh, looking forward to and, and very optimistic that we will see uh, uh, some production increases uh, for. 2022. That was Nicole McKellar with Soy Canada. The group recently hosted a pair of virtual seminars focused towards Japanese and Southeast Asian food companies. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon. I'm Corey Canute. Canadian Pacific and the Teamsters Canada Rail Conference have agreed to enter into binding arbitration. CP President and CEO Keith Creel says the agreement enables a return to work effective at noon today. CP will immediately begin working with customers to resume normal train operations across Canada as soon as possible to resume essential services for customers and the North American supply chain. And the Western Grain Elevator Association Executive Director Wade Subkowicz says, overall, long term, we need to see the railways declared an essential service. You know, we we, did, we tracked this over the last dozen years, and and, it's, and we've had between ten and twelve stoppages or, or threats of of stoppages, and and so we we really feel like rail should be an essential service. The government has said that during uh, COVID, um, the, the, the supply chains were supposed to continue to operate, grain was supposed to continue to operate. So why shouldn't we be able to continue to operate in the midst of uh, of of, uh, of a labor dispute? Soy Canada recently hosted a pair of virtual seminars focused towards Japanese and Southeast Asian food companies. Nicole McKellar is Manager of Market Development. Really the objectives for the seminars were to provide an opportunity for our members and the Canadian soybean value chain to uh, be able to connect with customers in international markets and also to provide an opportunity to bring visibility to the Canadian soybean uh, industry. Exports are a really important part of Canadian the Canadian soybean industry. We export approximately 70% of our production that goes to over 40 different countries uh, each year. And so uh, it's a really great opportunity for us to be able to connect with our international customers and share with them information that is uh, happening within the industry. And the Canadian Agri-Food Automation and Intelligence Network recently launched its Beef and Pork Primary Processing Automation and Robotics Program. The $5 million initiative was designed to foster the development and adoption of innovative technology-based solutions to challenges facing red meat processors. Dr. Nicole Gaudet is Program Manager. We're aiming to help the sector try to alleviate some of the issues they've experienced over the past couple of years with COVID-19 especially related to labor issues, um, but further deep dive into things related to just operations in a typical plant uh, related to food safety, worker safety, increased efficiencies and productivity, those types of things we're hoping to uh, target. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Knute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire. 
for Tuesday, March 22nd. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from the president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association, Bob Lowe. With the end to the CP rail stoppage, the Canadian Cattlemen's Association can now focus on their annual general meeting, which runs Wednesday to Friday in Ottawa. Glendalee Allen Vossler talked with President Bob Lowe. The agriculture industry, especially the beef sector, the CCA, has been so focused on the impact of a potential rail stoppage. Well, we did see that happen. Now they're moving to final and binding arbitration, something that you wanted to see. Moving past that, let's talk a little bit about the Canadian Cattlemen's Association annual conference. Now, that's coming up this week in Ottawa. Talk to us a little bit about that and what's going to be happening. Forgetting about CP Rail for a little while, it's a big week. That's This will be the first AGM, face-to-face AGM, since I became president, since the last one was when I was elected president. So it's going to be a big week of meetings. Um, you know, we'll get all the committees together face-to-face, the the board will be able to do some some finally some lobbying in Ottawa, which we've done a little bit this fall, but not that much. So it's, there's there's a lot to talk about and a lot of you know acquaintances getting reunited. As you said, of course the the CP issue is is forefront in everybody's minds. What are some of the other issues that you expect to see addressed? We'll be doing a lot of talking about the BRMs and the upcoming, uh, you know, the new, I can't never remember the name of it, federal funding, the, the replacement for the CAP program. Um, so we'll be doing a lot of talking about our, our wish list that we're, we've already given government a wish list. Now we're going to be fine tuning it, doing a lot of talking about that. But of course, there'll be, there'll be, Talking about the uh, trade, you know, our, our new minimal risk status. We've we've had six years in a row of each year set a record on our exports, on our trade, both volume and dollars. So we're going to be, you know, be talking about how to make sure that carries forward into the future. Um, where else are we going to go? Of course, there's the big thing is climate change and the and the environment. That's going to be a huge topic. What we're do, what we're doing, you know, our, our go forward, planning our, our next moves as far as going forward with the government on on the, re, the realization that the cattle industry is a solution to climate change, not part of the problem, but part of the solution. That's ongoing, and you know, of course, we've dedicated. You probably heard we put aside quite a slug of money over the next three years. To do that, to try and try and uh, do more, do more to to show government and consumers that we are we are environmentally sound, and without the cattle industry, you know, grasslands in particular would would not be where they are today. Would not be in as good a shape. We've done that, which includes a rebranding. We're going to do our website. We may even go for a name change. Upgraded name change, upgraded website, upgraded logo. It's it's going to be quite a quite a conversation about that. 
we've been put put a lot of time and effort into it and just to modernize this system. Well, Bob, final thoughts, key comments you would like to leave with people today? Well, it's it's been a tough couple of years. Uh, we seem to get hit as a cattle industry from all sides. About the time we think we got things fixed, something else pops up. But we've got to bear in mind that that we produce a very high quality protein that's environmentally safe, and we're doing it in a protein deficient world. So. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. I guess the other thing is, uh, of course, the fact that um, we seem to be on the the upside of the temperature scale, finally, seeing uh, some snow melt in in areas and hearing that uh, we're starting to see some some water in some dugouts that uh, is putting a smile on some producer faces. Well, and, and I think that's right. When when I talk around the country, moisture levels are really good to maybe could possibly be extreme in places. You know, northern Alberta, I think most of Saskatchewan, most of Manitoba, things are things are really good. Where right where I am, southwest Alberta, we definitely aren't out of a drought cycle yet. Uh, you know, nobody having said that, it might start snowing or raining tomorrow, but. As it sits right now, there won't be any dugouts filled around here. But on the other hand, like Dad always said, we never lost a crop at this time of year. So That's it, exactly. And unfortunately, a lot of producers in southwest Saskatchewan are in the same position as you. Yeah, yep, that could be. Here's my weather forecast. The drought will not be as big as it was last year. I like that. There, how's that? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. And I hope that's right. I, yeah, if I'm like most weathermen, I got a 50 50 chance of being right. So there you I'll go. go. With that. <laughs> that's Bob Lowe, the president of the Canadian Cattlemen's Association. The CCA's annual general meeting getting underway tomorrow in Ottawa. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Bossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. In person public engagement sessions for the Plum Murray watershed are taking place with sessions beginning at 6.30 p.m. Meetings will take place tonight at the Altona Mech Craft Room, March 24th at the RMF Stanley Office, March 29th at the St. Jean Community Hall, and March 31st at the Plum Coulee Community Hall. The Royal Manitoba Winter Fair takes place March 28th to April 2nd at Brandon's Keystone Centre. And the annual general meeting for Manitoba Pork is planned for April 6th at the Fairmont Winnipeg. Register on the Manitoba Pork website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Tuesday afternoon. Ducks Unlimited is receiving nearly $1 million in Manitoba conservation grants. Mark Francis is manager of provincial operations for Manitoba. We had uh, three applications that we were part of, two, two of our own. Um, that totaled $750,000 that we were awarded. That's the max you're eligible um, under your own applications. And then we're also uh, a partner in an application that was led by the Manitoba Forage and Grass Association. 
and we'll receive some funding as, as part of that partnership as well. What will that funding uh, be used for? That funding will be used to uh, restore wetlands and grasslands throughout uh, southern Manitoba. And it's also going to leverage some other uh, funding that we have that, um, in conjunction with this money, we'll use to retain some habitat uh, as well, wetland and grassland habitat on the landscape. Is there a certain um, area of the province that that you'll be focusing on? We're going to focus on the southwest. Uh, portion of the province. That's where, um, you know, the naturally occurring potholes are the greatest density and, and where we do the most of our, our work. So that's where we'll be focusing um, the largest portion of, of uh, our opportunities. And just talk about the importance of, of restoring those grasslands and, um, you know, wetlands in, in Manitoba. Yeah, well, historically, they, they, we have had a lot of wetland and, and grassland loss. And so this is an opportunity to restore those. And, and they're important. Um, they provide a lot of benefit to, to society, and um, in, including carbon storage, which, of, of course, you know, climate change is a big topic now, and wetlands are very good at storing carbon as well as grassland. So if we can restore those habitats, we can increase the capacity to uh, to store carbon. Has Ducks Unlimited received um, previous grants through this uh, program? We have received uh, money um, through the program and we've successfully delivered on on, uh, our goals in in those applications. And um, I believe that may be why we were so successful this time is we do have a proven track record of being able to deliver on, on our promises. Uh, when you make these applications and receive the money, you are expected to, to deliver. And, and it's what we, our goal is out there on the ground to, to make a difference. And, and I think we have. Mark, uh, just talk a little bit about landowner partnerships and, and how that works. Much of, our conservation program is incentive-based, so these dollars will have a trickle-down effect to individual landowners in, in rural Manitoba. And we value and appreciate our ongoing partnerships with uh, Manitoba landowners. Um, we've been active over 80 years, and a lot of our success is due to those successful partnerships and building those relationships. That was Mark Francis, Manager of Provincial Operations for Manitoba for Ducks Unlimited. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. The Teamsters Canada Rail Conference and CP Rail have agreed to enter into binding arbitration. The move means that both parties agree to accept the arbitrator's decision as final. The Teamsters spokesperson at the bargaining table, Dave Fulton, says the decision to agree to final and binding arbitration is not taken lightly. He notes that while arbitration is not the preferred method, they were able to negotiate terms and conditions that were in the best interest of their members. Employees will return to work at noon local time today. Canada's Labour Minister Seamus O'Regan congratulates both sides, saying that this is further evidence that when employers and unions work together, they get the best results for Canadians and for the economy. And with both sides agreeing to enter into binding arbitration, the ag sector is breathing a sigh of relief. 
Many in the industry have been calling on Ottawa to declare the railways an essential service, meaning that in the future they would have to continue work through a labour dispute. The Western Grain Elevator Association Executive Director Wade Subkowicz agrees with the move. He says a railway work stoppage not only impacts Canada's reputation as a reliable supplier, but causes a lot of other problems for the grain sector. It, it results in a, in a stoppage of, of shipping, and, and that has the same impact as everything else. We deal with vessel demurrage, we deal with contract extension penalties, the contract defaults. He notes they've been tracking this, and over the last dozen years, the railways have had between 10 and 12 stoppages or threats of work stoppages. The Canadian Agri-Food Automation and Intelligence Network recently launched its Beef and Pork Primary Processing Automation and Robotics Program. The $5 million initiative was designed to foster the development and adoption of innovative technology-based solutions to challenges facing red meat processors. Dr. Nicole Gadette is Program Manager. The call is really there to help support the adoption of new technologies into some of the processing plants in Canada and, and for them to entertain investment into things such as automated solutions and, and things related to robotics as well. And Japanese and Southeast Asian food companies, buyers and importers of soybeans learned about Canada's soybean value chain in a pair of recent virtual seminars. Nicole McKellar is Manager of Market Development with Soy Canada. Our seminar for Southeast Asia, we uh, targeted a number of different countries, including China, Indonesia, Malaysia, the Philippines, Taiwan, Thailand, and Vietnam. And this has really become an important market for Canadian uh, food-grade uh, soybeans. So those are soybeans that uh, typically would go into uh, soy food products such as tofu or uh, miso or soy milk. And it's really been an emerging, um, uh, kind of emerging market opportunities uh, for us there. We've seen our exports uh, grow quite substantially into those markets over the last uh, a couple of years, especially into China. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 in the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.